Welcome back. Come follow me with fair faithful answers to your New Testament questions. My name is Jennifer Roach. I am so excited you are here with me today. We have a lot to do today. We are going to talk about the sacrament. So as you know, we're going through the Come Follow Me readings. We're in the New Testament this year. We're looking at some of the questions that our evangelical friends or family members might have about our faith as they sort of come up in the readings. So that's what we're doing here. If you are new, um, the goal here is not to teach you how to debate with evangelicals or add any fuel to that fire, but to help you understand where they're coming from, maybe why they're saying some of the things they say, what it means to them, so that ultimately you can have a conversation with them about some of the gifts of your faith. And that's a way better conversation. So hopefully this is helpful for you in that. Um, two things before I get started today. Let me remind you about the FAIR conference um, happening in August 2 through 4 in Provo at, I think it's the Experience Event Center is what it's called. Um, you can get tickets, fairlatterdaysaints.com. Dot org dot com. Um, streaming online is free, but you do need to register so that you can have all the access for that and we can plan for it. Um, I will be speaking Friday the 4th, 1030 Mountain Time. Um, would love to see you there in person. Would also love to know that you were streaming. So there is all that. Second thing before we get started, I... <laughs> I have been wanting to address this question. It comes up a lot and I just haven't been able to find the right video, the right spot to stick it in. Um, I, I might need to do just a, a whole Q&A video. I don't know. Hit me up in comments if you've got some questions you would love to see in that. But here's probably the most common question I have been getting, at least in private, sometimes in the comment in the comment section too. But it goes something like this. Um, my grown child has left the church. They have joined an evangelical church. And, and while I'm happy that they have a faith that's working for them, I want to use the information that we're talking about here on this channel to have some conversations with them. However... Uh, they don't want to talk with me about it, um, but my faith is a huge part of who I am, and so it feels like I'm I'm just being kicked out of their life, at least on anything important. What what should I do? How do I get them to talk about this stuff? And the short answer is, what you should do is respect their wishes. I know that is not the answer that you really want to hear, but it's the only one that makes sense. And here's why. Nobody likes being given boundaries by other people. I don't like it. You don't like it. Nobody likes it. It stings, right? And, and it's okay that we don't like it. Um, but a boundary is someone telling you to stay in your lane. And the idea of staying in your lane directly implies that you have a lane in which to stay, right? So when your kid, adult kid says this to you, I don't want to talk about this stuff with you. You're not being kicked out of their life. I know it feels that way. It especially feels that way when faith is really, really important to you. You're not actually being kicked out of their lives. You're being told to stay in your lane. Um, if you can try to focus on the relationship that you do have with them and work 
with what you are being given, you'll probably get further along. Um, in this scenario, like the parent-child relationship, it is a very long game. Uh, it makes sense to do the work to figure all of this out. It, it, maybe that applies to other relationships in your life, other people who might be telling you, I don't want to talk about this stuff with you. May, maybe it applies, maybe it doesn't. You have to figure that out. How important is the relationship to you? How important is it to learn kind of a new dance with this person? Um, but when somebody tells you something like that, I don't want to talk about these issues with you. The move there is to respect it as best as you can dig deep and get every bit of emotional maturity that you can muster up try to preserve the relationship um boundaries are like fences they go up they go down you have no idea what's going to happen in the future play along there are no guarantees but it might turn out better than you think okay that was me slipping sort of into mental health education a bit. Sorry about that. I try not to do that here. Um, I hope it was helpful for you. Moving on, we are talking about the sacrament this week. Evangelicals know this as communion. Um, sometimes they call it the Lord's Supper. Sometimes they call it the Lord's Table. Catholics know this practice as Eucharist or the Holy Mass. Um, throughout history, there have been a number of sort of odd sounding to us names for it. My favorite one, it pops up a number of times in history, is the love feast. Someone invites you to their love feast. Make sure you know what you're getting yourself into, I guess. Um, all of these are roughly referring to the same thing, which is what we Latter-day Saints would call sacrament. Um, and obviously, there's some different understandings of that, and we're going to get into that today. So our text comes from Matthew 26, verse 26, and we get, um, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. You probably know the passage, it goes on from there. Um, so Latter-day Saint friends, you can laugh at me all you want on this, but up until about five years ago, I did not know that the main worship service of our church was even called sacrament meeting. Entirely out of my experience, I'd never been to a, a LDS service, so I had no idea. And when I when I heard that phrase, I remember thinking, how odd. I, I wonder what they think sacrament means. You can commence laughing. I am not offended. However, in my own defense, I will say um, part of that question for me comes from, besides my evangelical background, I was in the Anglican church for about 10, year, 10 years, and the word sacrament can refer to a lot of different things in the Anglican world, just like it can in the Catholic world. It can be like the taking of communion. Um, but when they refer to sacraments, they're also talking about things like baptism and marriage. Those are called sacraments. Um, in the LDS world, we have a, a word that differentiates those. We call them ordinances. Um, but we kind of mean the same thing by what we're calling them. Um, Anglicans, Catholics, others of like the, the high church variety. They also have something called sacramentals. Um and those are considered 
sacred signs, sometimes called sacred tokens. LDS friends do not run too far with that word. They're using both of those words differently. Um, sacramentals are signs of God's presence. So something like um, anointing oil, oil that's been blessed to use in healing, um, when they make the sign of the cross, when they use holy water, they would call all of these sacred signs or sacramentals. Um, these are things that get really misunderstood by outsiders, but they are actually functioning very similarly to how some of our ordinances function for us. Um, there is an episode that I want to do on water as symbol and how it's used in our faith for baptism and in the initiatory and, and, and what holy water is for other people and how it's used. It's some deep geek level stuff. I'm going to try to spare you from that episode. We'll see. Maybe I, I might subject you. I don't know. Anyway, I will start this actual episode by describing the differences that an evangelical would see in our sacrament meeting and, and I'll include some of the differences that we would see in theirs. And then we're going to go a little bit deeper um, and just briefly look at um, what's going on in the theological level. Like what is supposed to be happening in sacrament or in communion or in Eucharist? We'll, we'll look at the Catholic side, just a tiny little glimpse, mostly because it helps us sort the differences out into some categories. So evangelical friends, if you were to attend a Latter-day Saint service on a Sunday morning, you would probably be surprised to see that what we Latter-day Saints call the sacrament is pretty familiar to you. You, you would not be, you'd not be overly shocked by it. It's not 100% identical, but, but you would feel pretty comfortable with it. The elements are blessed and passed, um, which would feel very familiar to evangelicals. Latter-day Saints are taught to use this time while the elements are being passed in, in two ways. First, um, the entire point of taking the sacrament is considered a renewal of the covenants that we have made. I have an episode coming up on covenants, so I'm going to kick down the road, the discussion of what that actually means, but but that's the primary purpose of the sacrament is renewing our covenants. Um, some, you know, I mean, some evangelicals are familiar with the idea of covenant theology. Not all of them, um, but for some of them, that's not a new idea at all. The idea of covenants is, is pretty common. Um, so that wouldn't be weird for, for some of them, the second thing that we are taught to do during that time is, is focus on Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us. Evangelicals would feel right at home with that. That would not be odd to them. But there are three things, maybe more, but three that I see that would really stand out as differences. So first, most of the time in an evangelical church, no special um, priesthood, no special leader, no, no appointed or hired position is required to bless the sacrament. In, in a lot of places, it comes down to like, 
who's the pastor working that service and that's who does it. But in theory, anyone could do it. There's no theology preventing that. Um, evangelicals could take a picnic basket up to the mountains and bless their own communion and, and just have it right there in private. And that would be a completely normal, probably very good spiritual experience for them. There's nothing in their theology that would prevent that. Um, in our Latter-day Saint tradition, ordinances require someone who holds the priesthood. And so no, no priesthood, no sacraments. Um, it's really, it's really actually hard for me to think of a time when this would have come up other than the pandemic lockdown. Um, I think around the world, most people were doing church at home. And if you didn't have somebody in your home who, who was considered part of the priesthood, who, who had been ordained to that in our church, um, you didn't have access to the sacrament. My experience, at, at least the ward I was in at the time, people with the priesthood were sort of bending over backwards to make sure the ones who didn't have access to it in their home were getting it. Um, and they they put a lot of faithful effort into that that was greatly appreciated. Um, so it's not like, oh, these poor people just had to you know sit home and feel sad, like they were taken care of. Um, however, on occasion, um, maybe that couldn't or didn't happen. Um, and in that case, Latter-day Saints are instructed to spend that time pondering the sacrifice of Christ, but to refrain from taking in the bless blessing and taking the elements on their own. That's not a thing that we do. Um, this sounds very weird and very Catholic to evangelical ears. Um, but for Latter-day Saints, priesthood really matters. So we've talked about that a couple of times already on this channel, and, and we'll talk about it again. Um, but this is one of the like kind of rubber meets the road places where priesthood is there. You can do this. It's not. You, you can't. Um, and, and I know that sounds odd for evangelicals. The second thing that evangelicals would absolutely notice um, for the most part, they use grape juice or real wine, and we Latter-day Saints use water. They're, they're going to catch on to that real fast. Um, in my lifetime, more and more evangelical churches have switched from grape juice to actual wine. I think when I was, I don't know, maybe in the 70s and 80s, it, was, it would have been rare to find an evangelical church that was using wine. But these days it's considered, you know, a little bit edgier of a thing to do and they like that. And so many evangelical churches offer both as an option. Some only offer wine, which maybe creates a, a problem or two, but they kind of try to work around it. Um, Latter-day Saints have also had our own journey through what we use as elements as well. Like, how did we get to using water? It, your evangelical friend would certainly have that question. My initial guess at why water was being used was something like, okay, I know Latter-day Saints avoid alcohol, even socially. So maybe this is them just really trying to stay far away from anything that looks like alcohol, even grape juice. Like maybe that's even too close for them. So I was surprised to learn later that the word of wisdom 
makes a provision for using wine during sacrament. Doctrine and Covenants 89 gives us, inasmuch as any man drinketh wine or strong drink among you, behold, it is not good, neither meat in the sight of your father, only in assembling yourselves together to offer up your sacraments before him. And behold, this should be wine, yea, pure wine of the grape of the vine of your own make, right? So there's a lot of history going on in these verses in, in DNC 89, and I'm not going to get into all of that. Um, but initially, wine was not a problem in Latter-day Saint churches to use in sacrament, and it was a common practice. In fact, um, in 1861, Brigham Young sends over 300 families to Southern Utah where they could produce crops, including grapes to make wine for sacrament for the saints. Um, that's in um, Leonard Arrington's book, The Great Basin Kingdom, which I'm reading right now and it's fantastic. It's worth a read if you haven't picked that one up. Um, so that's 1861, like Brigham is telling them like, go grow some grapes. We need to have our own you know, wine for sacrament. By about 1906, the, the temperance movement is really starting to gain some steam. Um, attitudes in the United States are certainly changing around alcohol at that time. Um, so then in 1906, the word of wisdom had been given almost 70 years earlier. Um, and the saints had really been given this, it's like generously slow on-ramp into living the word of wisdom. It's not like this revelation was received one day, next day it's completely put into force with every single member of the church. It doesn't happen like that. Um, they, they're given about this seven decade on ramp to sort of get there. Um, so during that period, the, those 70 years, alcohol and tobacco use were not unheard of during the saints or, or uh, among the saints. Like that was still a thing and it wasn't, it wasn't looked at the same way that it would be now. Um, it, but by 1902, the on-ramping is coming to an end. Shortly after that, 1906, is when the First Presidency and the Twelve begin using water in their sacrament meeting in the temple. The rest of the church very soon follows their example. Um, and by, but within, I don't remember the date, but within 10 years of then, the word of wisdom is added to the temple recommend questions where attitudes about alcohol are certainly changing. So that's a long historical explanation to say we use water in our sacrament. Um, it's completely consistent with our beliefs of God can use whatever he wants to use. Um, a, a grape isn't any holier than a, a molecule of water. Same, same thing can be accomplished. Um, the, the third difference that evangelicals would notice in our sacrament meeting is just that it's quiet. But although, I mean, it's not quiet. I am in this fantastic ward that I love. It is many, many young families with babies and toddlers, um, the area where we live is all brand new high density housing, which attracts 
young couples who are just out of college, starting their families, buying their their modest size first homes, and and this is where we live. Um, so an award like mine, it is actually not even remotely quiet during sacrament, and delightfully so, right? Like nobody's shushing babies. I'm usually trying to get someone to hand me a baby, to be honest. Um, but what I mean by quiet is that there's no loud rock worship music playing, which is most likely what you would see in an evangelical church. The The only variation of that might be that sometimes a contemplative kind of reverent, what we would call reverent, um, Music might be used, but for the most part, it's full-on rock worship music, um, stuff you would hear on on the Christian radio station, probably. And that is what is happening you know, noise-wise for them. So the, the silent sacrament, it, it took me a minute to get, to get adjusted to. Like, it, it was weird to my ears. I love it now. That's a topic for another time. Um, but they would certainly notice that difference. This should give you a pretty good, like, practical overview of the differences in, in how we practice sacrament. And I want to talk a little bit about the theological differences. In the, the non-Latter-day Saint world, so the, the Protestant Catholic world, I'm going to leave out the Eastern Orthodox. They're a third of that world, but that's a whole different ball of wax. In the Protestant Catholic world, there are really three ways to think about what is happening in, in communion. What are we doing here? The first way um, that I'll describe to you is the Catholic version. If you've never heard it before, or if you can think back to the first time you heard it, it sounds weird. But this is an extremely sacred doctrine to them, so we are going to treat it very respectfully, right? In Catholic theology, at the beginning of the service, the bread and the wine are just bread and wine. They are just common elements. There's nothing special about them. They were made in perfectly ordinary ways. They lay on the altar. They look like bread and wine because they are bread and wine. At a specific point in the service, often it's indicated by the ringing of a bell um, but but sometimes not. That varies by location. Um, they ring the bell and the priest says the words of consecration. And the elements become the actual body and blood of Christ. They still look and taste like bread and wine, but they are not. They are the body and blood of Christ. This doctrine is called transubstantiation, and it is an expression of their desire to take the words of Christ literally when he says, this is my body broken for you, take and eat. They're taking that very, very seriously. It sounds weird to us. It's not a, in my opinion, it's not a doctrine to be mocked. This is incredibly sacred to them. Um, but it is very different from the, the two ways evangelicals kind of describe what is happening in, in communion. So the typical evangelical view, um, the communion bread and wine or, or grape juice, 
remain bread and wine. They only become the body and blood of Christ, like symbolically. And there are two kind of levels of this. And these make up numbers two and three in our list of, of how Protestants and Catholics think about the sacrament. So some evangelicals would say the bread and wine are simply there as a memory jogger. Jesus asks us to remember his death. And he asked us to use bread and wine to do it. So we do. And this is how we remember him. But there's nothing really happening there more than memory or recall. So they, in their own way, are taking Christ seriously. This do in remembrance of me. And so their focus is on the remembering. Nothing special is happening with the elements. They're certainly not turning into the, the body and blood of Christ. And they're probably not even spiritually or symbolically turning into them. They are there for the cognitive process of recall. That's all That's all that is. And there's nothing efficacious in it, meaning like nothing is happening. Um, it's not doing anything other than helping them remember. And this is probably the most common view for evangelicals, or at least it has been historically. Things are starting to shift here too for them. Um, and what it's shifting towards in a lot of places is evangelicals um, view the elements in what gets called the real presence. It's sort of this halfway point between communion as memory jogger and Eucharist as literal flesh and blood. It, they're trying to sort of hit the middle of that. And in this view, they see Christ's presence in the elements. The elements themselves remain bread and wine. It's not like Catholics. Catholics literally believe that they literally turn into the body and blood, even though they retain the appearance the taste and smell of bread and wine, they are not. Um, evangelicals who would kind of hit that middle point would say that Christ indwells the elements in a special way that brings his presence in a special way to the one who eats it worthily. So they're they're trying, they're trying kind of both sides. They don't want to go as far as to say that the elements change, but they don't want to go down to all this is, is about cognitive recall. Um, and as in so many things, Latter-day Saints don't care about any of that. I don't know anyone. If you do like hook me up with them, I don't know anyone in, in the Latter-day Saint world who is having the debate about what is happening to this actual bread, right? This particular little bread molecule, what is it what is it doing? Nobody cares about that. It's not it's entirely besides the point for us. Instead, what Latter-day Saints believe is happening in the sacrament is all about the renewal of covenants. Before I was baptized in the church, I attended sacrament meetings for for a long time, months, almost a year. And I had to make a decision at some point um, if I wanted to, you know, participate and take the bread and the water as it was passed to me. And I certainly felt free to make either decision to, to take or not take. Um, and as far as I know, there wasn't really any 
pressure from anyone one way or the other. Ultimately, I decided I want to take this not because I have covenants to renew. I had not yet made covenants, <clears throat> at least not in the in the Latter-day Saint version of them. So there's nothing to renew. My participation in eating and drinking was something else, a, a desire to express my faith and my hope that I could eventually become part of that community. And I mean, that was up in the air for me for a while, but I really wanted it. So taking the elements was an expression of that, but that was my own personal meaning. The actual point of sacrament theologically has to do with renewing covenants and covenant keeping. And which is just, it Latter-day Saints, Saints, I have cats, did you hear that? Um, Latter-day Saints just do not care about the, the three categories that Protestants and Catholics are fighting over. They are like laser, laser focused on the covenant keeping part, which is, I think, as it should be. There is so much more to talk about on this topic. Um I know that doesn't even seem possible, but it is true. We will come back to this topic with a different angle a couple of months from now. Um, but for now, thank you for joining me for all of this. We will come back next week with another topic <clears throat> from the New Testament. I hope this was helpful to you, and I will see you next time.